Sometimes, in order to get ahead in life, you have to move diagonally. Sometimes, to go forward, you have to go backward. Life isn't all about the double jumps. Sometimes, it's about just enjoying the game. This summer, bring your family to Checkerland. With over 11 black squares to explore, and the most vibrant nightlife this side of Monopoly, it may be a place that you too will one day call home. Checkerland. Our past may be checkered, but our future sure isn't. Hello everyone, and welcome to After the Plot, the only podcast that brings you the stories you didn't know you didn't know. I'm your host, Good Job Lacey. On this month's episode, we continue our deep dive into the board games that we know and love. You may remember from last month's episode that I spent a great deal of time on the chessboard. Well, after I left the upper chess lands, I realized that my story on the board wasn't complete. I continued through the wastelands between games, suspecting that this particular game board had many more secrets to share. And within a few days, I knew I wasn't mistaken. From the barren rocky squares of desert, I began to see signs of another civilization. But something seemed odd. Where before, there were flowing neighborhoods and townships across all the squares, now any small farms or villages I saw in the distance were only inside of the black squares. In the far-off distance, I could see several large city skylines, all equidistant, assuming they were all also within black squares. Indeed, the roads themselves seemed to converge at the intersection of white and black squares, so that they mainly stayed on the black part of the board. I couldn't see much of anything in the white squares, although the board was vast, and it was difficult to see more than two or three squares at any given time. Perhaps there was a reason that the white squares seemed so much more empty than the black squares. And perhaps, underneath that reason, there was a story. A story you didn't know. A story you didn't know you didn't know. The first signs of life which I actually came within speaking distance of were simply the places where several roads intersected. And while I saw many different groups of chess pieces, as well as checker pieces and even backgammon tiles, everyone seemed to be in quite a hurry to get where they were going, so I pressed on. Eventually, I came to what looked like the dusty borderlands of a town. Most of the houses were ramshackle huts made of bleached wood and thatched roofs, or maybe compiled of a hodgepodge of rusted corrugated metal. I met one of the locals on his porch. This is Jebediah. He is a checker piece. Jebediah agreed to speak with me about checkers in order to dispel what he described as some hurtful rumors about checker pieces. We don't prescribe to that sort of nonsense. We like to keep it simple around here, so we do. Everybody respects their neighbor and keeps to themselves. None of that fancy sliding hither, thither, and yawn across the board, scheming all sorts of arithmetic for trying to take down some other piece. So you guys, you just all move one square at a time, right? Oh, yes, sir, we do here. We keep things simple, the way it was intended. 
Just a short move and maybe a little jumping every now and then, if you know what I mean. And if somebody on your side is in your way, heck, well, you just gotta be patient, so you have. Hmm, how long have you lived here? Well, let me see, that's a tough one. I was here back when that first Jack was slapped. And I remember my pa talking about his involvement in the Great Wars. You know, the one against the Uno and the Skippo cards. So somewhere around there. Oh, I see. Uh, so Back in my heyday, I used to be quite a jumper, so I did. But <laughs> these old legs, well, they just don't have it in them anymore. More of a defensive piece, so you see. Now, my cousin Skip down the road, he's quite a hoot. He's one of the best known around here for pulling a quad ruple jump back in Alt 7. People been talking about it ever since. Yeah, they've been talking about it, so they have. Interesting. I, I, I noticed that none of the roads around here lead into the white squares. Do, do you know what's in those parts? Oh, now I see. You're curious about them pale flats. Those lands has moved on, so they have. People don't go into them. And those that are foolhardy enough to do so, they don't come on back. But never mind that. Head into town and you may find some other things that are worth your attention. I thanked Jebediah for his help and continued on the road into town. After arriving in town, I was immediately greeted by a bustling center of commerce. Families of checker pieces in the parks, stalls and vendors selling food, business pieces going to and from important meetings. This town was, without a doubt, rife with stories you didn't know you didn't know. After a while, I came across an open-air gymnasium of sorts. It seemed like an oversized playground for adults, or uh, adult checker pieces. Men and women alike slid deftly across the floor in dynamic zigzags. In another part of the gym, pieces leapfrogged over one another in choreographed routines. As I approached two of them for my story, they began an epic sparring match. Ha! My brother, I jump you! Ha! Indeed, my brother, I jump you! Ha! Nay, it is thee that I jump. <laughs> Their names were Galoff and Ralph. A broadcast story to tell of our glory, of course. So uh, tell me a little about yourselves. How long have you two lived here on the board? Well, we were alive when the towers came down. You mean 9-11? Uh, what? No, the Jenga Towers, my good man. Oh. Anyway, there wasn't much left after that, so we decided to come here to dedicate our lives to training. We train every day by doing hundreds of forward left jumps. Hop! And hundreds of forward right jumps. Hop, hop, hop. See my brother now? See how he deftly executes a forward and backward double jump. What are you two training for? Training for battle, of course. One day we may have the blessed opportunity to make it to the other side of the board and become a king. Why? As a king, one has the power to move forward and backward. Full control of one's destiny. 
for glory and honor to aid the other pieces in winning the game. As warriors, you, you must have traversed most of the board, right? Of course. I even got within three rows of the other side. Nowhere near close enough to become a king, mind you, but nothing to scoff at. And believe me, my brother has been known to be quite a scoffer. And so have you two explored the Pale Flats ever? At my very mention of the place, all of the pieces around me stopped what they were doing and tuned in on the apparently taboo topic which I had brought up. Listen, my good man, you seem like a decent fellow, and we are more than happy to contribute to your podcast with tales of our glory. But you won't find the reception you so desire if you continue to bring up forbidden topics in our presence. Yes, yes. There is a lot of superstition, especially amongst the older pieces. We don't know their origin, but it is horribly taboo to speak of the Pale Flats. You may find more information with one of the kings, but as an uninitiated piece, you have a slim chance of gaining an audience. Why is that? Not only do the kings lead us in battle, but they also administer the blessing of the board. And without a proper offering, you'll never gain an audience, let alone their attention. With that in mind, I took out a golden teacup that I had stolen, or acquired, from our last episode. <gasps> yes, that is a fine offering. Surely you'll be able to gain an audience with the kings with that. I easily found the Cathedral of the Kings as it was located in the very center of the black square I was exploring. The enormous spires towered over the surrounding buildings. I went inside to find an expansive amphitheater filled wall to wall with checker pieces, listening pensively to someone speaking at the front. Each and every checker piece in the audience was wearing identical battle armor. At the front of the room, on a large dais, stood several larger armored pieces, easily twice the size of the members of the audience. These were the kings. While the smaller pieces all wore the same style of simple armor, each king was lavishly decorated with extravagant suits of armor that ranged from spiked gunmetal to green glass to even dragon bone. The speaker of the room stood at the front of the dais, encased in what seemed to be gilded peppermint armor. He had removed his lollipop helmet and it sat on the podium beside him. He was apparently administering the blessings of the board. And so, by the four corners and the four sides, do I send you forth to wage an epic battle in hopes to win the game. May your jumps be many, and your time on the board be long. May you be unjumpable, uncheckable, unbumpable, and unsinkable. May your rent be low, and your community chest high. May you always pass go, and get tic-tac-toe three in a row. May you catch the mouse, but not wake daddy. Feed your hippos, but not get caught up in the crossfire. May you never draw four and never go to jail. Never get skunked, and may your battleship remain ever afloat. In the name of the Hoyle word, go fish. Go fish.
the blessing over, I stood against a wall near a door as dozens of checker pieces shuffled out of the room, eager to join the other pieces in the game. After the room was empty, I approached the dais where the kings were still wrapping up and talking shop. In person, they seemed much less intimidating. No, you should have seen it, man. The, the tapestry really tied the room together. And it was peed on by the jack. The jack peed on my rug. A card peed on the dude's rug? Shut the fuck up, Donald! Uh, excuse me? Well, uh, hey man, so like, uh, who approaches, you know, the, uh, the dais of the kings, man? Hey guys, uh, my name is Good Job Lacey with After the Plot. It's a, it's a podcast on Final Plank Media. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, uh, the journalist. You, you guys did the big piece on Skyrim a few years ago, right? You uncovered the, uh, the whole, what it was, a scandal of the Archmage. Who? You know, the, the head of the mages' college in uh, Winterhold. <laughs> you're a wizard, Harry. I thought that was in Vivek. No, 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 you're, you're thinking of the uh, the mages' guild. You're a wizard, Harry. They don't have an archmage in Vivek? No, 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 they do, but that's not what the story was about. You're a wizard, Harry. Oh, the place was to shut the fuck up, Donald! I, uh, I was wondering if any of you might have a moment to speak with me about the checkerboard. Well, uh, that depends, ma'am. Do you have an offering? Now where'd you get that? I, uh, I got it from one of the chess kings. Stole it from a king? Don't worry, Donald. Just a chess king. Those pieces are cowards. No, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Well, uh, when you, uh, you know, when you get something from a king... Are you, uh, I'm sorry, are you, are you wearing peppermint armor? Yes! A gift from Mr. Mint of Candyland. Candyland? Yes, but I wouldn't visit that place. It's it's not all it's cracked up to be. As the peppermint-gilded king and I spoke, others began to remove their armor, clearly uncomfortable from having worn it for so long. Curiously, I noticed that as the pieces came off, it became clear that these weren't larger checker pieces, but rather two regular-sized checker pieces stacked on one another, the armor making them appear as one. Kind of like two kids in one trench coat. Hey, hang on, you guys aren't any bigger than the regular pieces. Uh, yes, indeed. It's it's all ruse, something to, to motivate the other pieces. We try to be inspirational for the singles. You know, something for them to look up to. The kings went on to explain their purpose in the endless war on the board. Apparently, although they were twice as powerful as a normal piece, being able to move forwards and backwards... It wasn't their place to end the game, but rather bolster their side to continue the battle, but not necessarily to win it. I mean, what is the end of a game except the beginning of the space between it and the next? Think of it this way. Win or lose, it's never your last game, is it? Exactly. You play the game, the outcome isn't a real time or place. I'm... what are you... I'm confused. What do you... what do you mean? Take... Take the shore, for example, where the ocean meets the beach. The water, that's a place you can stand in. And the sand, that's also a place that you can stand. But the shore, the line itself, that isn't real. Just like the game you're playing or not playing. But winning or losing aren't a real span of time. You either win or lose and then you aren't playing. So play or not play, you might as well play. That's what we say. 
Well, what if someone preferred not to pick either option? Like, like they didn't want to keep playing or not playing? <laughs> then you'd have to go to a place unaffected by the rules. <laughs> that place does not exist. Not even the Pale Flats? Well, well, no. Of course not the Pale Flats. No, no, hang on a second. Maybe he has a point. But they're unprotected. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Un- unprotected from what? The Queens, man. The Queens of Chess. All powerful pieces feared by inhabitants of all board games. The kings explained that legend had it that a fully grown queen in the height of her power could not only move anywhere on the board at any given instant, but even summon the power of other games. She could put you in check, then make you draw four, then go fish, then go to jail. And I mean directly to jail. Do not pass go. You know, do not collect your $200 kind of thing. But there was safety in numbers. Apparently, the only reason the queens didn't come to the black squares of the checkerboard was because there were so many other pieces that grouped together to defend themselves. But this was not the case in the white squares. You, you see, they're unprotected because no one goes there. So, if more people went there, would they become protected? Well, yes, but no one is going to. Why? Because they're unprotected! I knew that I had to get to the bottom of this mystery. I asked the kings if they would take me. Surely, with their protection, we could mount an expedition deep into the Pale Flats. They scoffed at the idea. Scoff! Scoff! But all was not lost, and this is not the end of our story. The kings said that going into the Pale Flats was unwise, but if I really wanted to go, there was one piece on the board who might be able to help me. When we come back, our story takes a turn as we look to the oldest piece in checkers, the Eldar piece, here on After the Plot. Let me bring the slap back into your life. Ow! Tired of waiting for your groceries to be delivered? Fed up with standing in line for the bus? Are grass-fed monkeys the least of your problems? Ow! Top roast cheese never harpooning even when you can't afford it? Ouch! I am the slapjack. Ow! Not available in all states. See store for details. Welcome back to After the Plot. I'm your host, Good Job Lacey. At the end of our last segment, the Kings of Checkers told me that finding a guide into the white squares of the checkerboard, also known as the Pale Flats, would be nigh impossible, if not harder. However, before our conversation ended, they said that the one piece who may be able to help was the Eldar piece. Legend had it that he was the first king of the checkerboard, and 
and held the title for many, many turns. However, after years of bloodshed, he felt responsible and finally renounced his crown and resumed life as a common peace. One of the kings gave me an address. He lived in a small hut by the river at the edge of the Black Square and was willing to speak to me for the podcast. I explained who I was and what I was trying to accomplish. At first, he seemed amused by me and eager to hear my tale. But I eventually came to my request of him to serve as a guide to the unprotected Pale Flats, and that's where no, we hit a snag. definitely not. It is far too dangerous. But surely, as, as the first king of the board, you must have some influence on any square that we go to. You have absolutely no idea what it is you are asking of me. I gave up that life many turns ago. Even if I could survive in the Pale Flats, which we can't, any story you might be able to dig up would pale in comparison to the amount of trouble you would stir up. Okay, well, in that case, look, what, what if we, what if no. we just... No, no. Look here. I can't, and I won't. It is not worth it. Liar! Liar! Get back, witch! Not a witch. I'm your wife. But after that nonsense you just spewed, I'm not sure I even want to be that anymore. You've never had it so lucky. So this is the Eldar piece's wife, Berta. It's short for Q-Berta. She's a die. A, a D6, actually. And I, I know what you're thinking. Good job. Why is there a die on the checkerboard? Well, the why the is complicated, and I'm, I'm not sure that we have time to get into it right on today's episode. However... I can't answer how there is a die on the checkerboard. Or rather, I, I can just let Berta well, do it herself. I started off as a Monopoly die, my sister and I. But Monopoly games don't get played very much. So I decided to leave in search of more excitement. I worked in a game of Sorry for a while, went to college on a Trivial Pursuit board, and then there was that rough patch back when I was part of a Yahtzee cult. I eventually made my way to the backgammon board, where I met this guy. And she apparently was far more eager for the Eldar piece to help me than he was. Aren't you always talking about the battle of the kings and the lives it wastes? You say no one ever helps each other out. Well now, this is your chance to make things right. But no one will listen. Nobody ever listens to me. I print out these pamphlets, I run on social change, Everybody just comes and tells me, oh, you're a lunatic. These pieces won't agree. You, you don't. don't! What do you think he's going to do with this story? What? What do you mean? You there, Mr. Goodjob. Yeah? How many listens would you say your podcast gets each month? Uh, well, I mean, I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me here, but, I mean, you know, it's, it's probably... He'll publish this story for everyone to hear, which can include any story you tell him as well. Get it? Oh, oh, I see. Ah, uh, Mr. Goodjob, I've reconsidered your wise offer about the story, and your story has merit. I shall lead you deep into the heart of the Pale Flats, and we can begin when you are ready to go. Uh, oh, okay, well, that was easy. The way into the Pale Flats was easy enough to traverse. We walked for hours on what was essentially a giant dried up lake bed. Apparently what used to be an ocean. The salt! 
from the dried up ocean is what makes the board white. Huh. The Eldar piece told me that we would eventually come to an outlying village, much like a black square. In the meantime, I asked him about how he and his wife met. So, your wife Berta mentioned that you guys met on a backgammon board. Does that mean that you- Yes, yes, I am indeed not a checker piece, but a backgammon tile. The first actually to establish a kingdom on the chessboard in hopes of bringing back peace to all of the pieces. But the young ones, the young ones they didn't listen or didn't understand. Too full of hopes, of glory, and honor they were. They rejected my message of nonviolence and harmony and socialism, and now look where we are. <sighs> we eventually came to a small enclave of ancient buildings which had been patched up with modern materials, kind of a hybrid of past and present. Several game pieces emerged from their homes to greet us, albeit hesitantly. As they did, the Eldar piece gave me some background. The Pale Flats, he explained to me, was really a refuge for lost pieces. When a small part or piece of a game went missing, usually they ended up here. When the lost pieces realized that one of us was the Eldar piece, they approached much more comfortably. We met another backgammon tile. I used to live on the other side of the board, but never thought that I would end up here. A cue from Scrabble. Ah, I, I used to create words. Heck, even took place in a soliloquy once. Then I started messing around with uh, the wrong crowd, Z's and X's and such. It was a slippery slope before you ended up lost on a checkerboard. The mouse from Mousetrap? Even a rare D12. I once determined the fate of adventurers, young and old. Once helped a paladin pick down a drider. And those things were no joke. Cleft it in twain. Gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm so surprised that uh, more people don't know about all of you. You, you. you seem like the nicest pieces. Well, it's just easy to ignore us. We live right here next to these black squares. Sometimes it just feels... Well, it just feels like people look right through you. We're so glad you finally came to tell our story. Heck, why don't you head on up to the center of the square for a proper reception? I thanked the Eldar piece for his help and followed the other pieces towards the center of the board, feeling satisfied that I was able to persevere and uncover the untold story of these forgotten pieces. I felt very hopeful about the outcome of this story, and considered it as one of the few times I might actually be able to help someone by telling their story. The story of these lost pieces who live amongst us, sometimes even right under our nose, and we just choose not to see them. The pieces led me to an old ruined temple. The whole place had a very Daedric feel about it. I was unsure how this could operate as the center of their town. Ah, what an interesting, dark, foreboding place here. It might look like a fixer-upper on the outside, but I tell you it's got a real solid foundation. And you know, the acoustics, well they're not bad either. I entered the shrine and found myself by enormous statues of ancient game pieces which I didn't recognize. The huge vaulted ceiling reached up into the darkness. 
In the center of the chapel, a dark mass lay crumbled on the floor. I approached slowly, nervously, and as I got closer, the crumpled shape began to take on an outline that I unfortunately recognized. <gasps> oh no! It was Half-Yorg the Beige, from the last episode. He had been absolutely mangled. Slices from Uno cards crisscrossed his body, which was also covered in fish scales. He had been knocked down, flipped over, tic-tac-toe lines carved into his flesh. He was out of bounds, tapped, and skunked. Okay, I, I, I need to leave. Uh, I need to leave now. Had Halfjord been attacked by a queen? Was she still nearby? Gotta get out of here. Was I in immediate danger? I had to get back to the Eldar piece. No more games. Crazy pieces. Crazy fucking pieces. But unfortunately, Freeze. the authorities were waiting for me right outside the ruined temple. Put your hands up and get down on the ground, or we will open fire. After the Plot is produced by Brent and Nolan Lacey. Additional talent was provided by Tanvi Takur. Edited by Brent Lacey. Our theme music was composed by Jared Bookbinder. Additional music provided by Kevin McLeod. Sound effects were provided courtesy of freesound.org. After the Plot is a production of Final Blank Media.